I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. I am not a doctor. This might help. I'm not a professional. Let's have fun. This honestly is a good time. I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. The podcast. Welcome to This Might Help with Matt Bronger, the only uh, podcast that has ever, ever done advice ever. Um, I am uh, a little bit flustered because we've had some sound problems and we've started over a few times. I apologize to my guests, but hey, fuck it. We're having a good time. I'm here with my friend Farley Elliott joins me today. Woo! And, Thanks uh, for having me. I've never been more excited for technical difficulties. It's the best. And we've had a couple rehearsals, so it's good times. Yeah, um, I mean, we've been, it's just like a, a theater play. We've been working on it since February. Tonight was opening exactly night. Right. The curtain wouldn't come up, but here we are. Yeah, I mean, just like the first podcast, War of the Worlds, uh, I think this one will also uh, uh, really strike fear in the hearts of many. That's, um, <laughs> yeah, sound producers at least. Yeah. So you and I traded some cold brew coffee for, I made cold brew coffee. I traded for your for sourdough bread. Uh, yes. Which I, yeah. Uh, I feel like I made out like a bandit because that was like a perfectly round loaf and delicious. My wife and I had, uh, had, uh, amazing blts using it last night so well i i appreciate that i should say i'm a, a food writer by trade that does not mean that i am necessarily a professional home chef or anything like that um i think for the entire year of 2018 i didn't cook a single meal in my home i uh, just ate at restaurants wow. for literally all of my meals so getting into bread has been uh, a late arrival for me but probably long overdue in terms of self-sustainability yeah that's what it's amazing i mean i feel like that we're all kind of on the bread train, on the home. I mean, it's it's kind of the positive side to the 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 of the of the many positive sides of this year mm -hmm. uh, is that people are making their own bread and doing a lot more cooking. And um, I won't say they're really getting a chance to turn back to family because right now I feel like everyone wants to kind of kill their family. Um, yes, and not yeah. even to say anything about their extended family. I cannot wow. tell you the amount of calls I get where it's just like, I can't talk to my mom anymore because she is a Trumper or whatever. Right. You know? But yeah, the people exactly. you are trapped with, uh, it, that's the big, are you getting along with your significant other? How are you guys doing? I, I am. Uh, my lovely wife and I are, are, we're holding true. You know, it's been an interesting time last year. She works in hospitality. So she's been out of work since March, essentially. Um, and before that, she was working at a boutique hotel, a little ways outside of the city. And so we were kind of trading on days uh, together and then days apart. And with my job, I'm so restaurant focused. I would spend a lot of my nights out eating at places. And so we've always had this, you know, catch our time together when we can I, uh, ideal but in the pandemic it's been great we're watching shows together we never you know korean dramas who knew that we would <laughs> yeah. find so many things to bring us together mm -hmm. kingdom uh i don't even know it's called i i you don't know what you don't know i couldn't even tell you i have okay. no idea what it's called right on uh, yeah well, cool. we, start, we we trade off the other half she watches those and i passively pay attention and then i make her watch the history channel show alone where they yeah. take 10 people and put them in the woods until they die, which is great. Yeah, alone. Canaan's uh, uh, <laughs> really into that one. Uh, that, it's delightful. We, we, My wife and I are lucky enough to have a lot of stuff we watch together, but there's certain stuff, like my wife won't watch anything scary, and I, okay. I love horror stuff. So I feel like I'm, like horror television and movies are like my porn. Like I sneak <laughs> off to watch them. 
I don't hide it. <laughs> she knows if I'm like laying on the bed with the headphones on, you know, it's it's like she's just like, oh, good, you know, get it out of your system, fine, you know. Yeah, I don't that way you can leave me alone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's been it's been good. It's uh, between uh, bread baking and all that sort of stuff. We've we've kept a pretty busy household. You know, I we, we live in a little house a little further east from you guys, and we've got a small front yard, and it's a dead end street, and so. I feel like, you know, they closed restaurants March 15th. I feel like March 16th, I was just out on the front lawn in black socks with a hose, <laughs> just like doing the weirdest old man stuff. It's been great. Well, you're always, I will say, um, I owe you big because I'm, you're always the one when I'm like, oh, we want something really different or something uh, to eat out. And then now since the quarantine, I've been like, okay, what's a good takeout thing? Do you yeah. have like a lot of people that hit you up? Like me. For sure, yeah, and I, it's it's a, a part of my job that I, I I run Eater LA, so I just talk about restaurants. And I, I'm not a food critic. I'm not anonymous. My job is to sort of have and build relationships and know stuff before anybody else, primarily. Um, yeah. And that's a really fun subgenre because I don't have to worry about whether or not like the peas are bad or this dish could have used more sorrel or something. Like I just get to be. <laughs> On my best days, I just get to kind of be a fan of food and restaurants, and and there's hard stuff that comes along with that and tough conversations, but there's also a lot of great in LA. So you're absolutely right. People ask me all the time about where they should eat, and you know, during the pre-pandemic days, my only qualifications were, you know, I'm going to give you eight recommendations. Uh, whatever you end up going to, just tell me, and then sort of run me down your experience. Was it busy? Did you have crappy service? Because I can't be everywhere at once, so getting little bits of data points from other people is still really helpful. For that's amazing. You know, I never thought, I always thought of you, you know, as a food writer, but I never thought of you as not a critic. Right. You know? Yeah. But you're I, right. I don't you're write, not. I don't you're write not. in the first person at all. My opinion never appears on the site. I'm telling you stuff as like a journalist. Yeah. It's my, even my parents are like, he's a critic. Like nobody understands the Yes. It's funny. Like my, my wife is a, is a manager and I'll still, <laughs> you know, my parents will be like, and she's an agent. Like, no, God, you know, you can't. Yeah. You can't really explain, um, but yeah, because I, I, it is funny. There is, there is like, there's, there's no opinion. I do, I do look. Uh, Eater is like my number one for looking to getting kind of like nuance of, of where to eat and yeah. where, where, where I gauge. I do. I think that's why I like it because there's no, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. You know. Yeah. That's it. And it, it, you know, every once in a while, I like to think uh, sometimes people will say, oh, why did you write about this thing? Or why did you not write about this other thing? Or, you know, people always bring their own perspectives to Eater. We do maps, hey, 10 great places to go get a burrito. But we also, you know, do 5,000 word stories about uh, what the title of chef really means as it relates to equity and credit within a restaurant hierarchy. So it's kind of all this stuff. Yeah. And I always say that, you know, we're not running out of internet. Then that's good. Like I can keep talking about all sorts of different stuff as long as it is even tangentially related to restaurants because mm -hmm. it, it, it they, they are such a, a massive part of the fiber of who we are you know not only as people but as a city and it's one of those things where we've kind of been um uh it, it's it's been an indicator of 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 not only the, not only the 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 levels of haves and haves and have nots but it's been a great equalizer in that you don't necessarily you know permits notwithstanding need a ton of money to get great food out there. There's all kinds of avenues, which are very fascinating. I feel like LA has kind of been at the forefront of that, especially with the, um, with the, the Mexican American population, uh, with the, with the food in, in, in like, uh, trucks and carts and stuff, which has led to a lot of other people, the whole, the whole 
uh, food truck revolution and in Portland where I'm from, it's all carts. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I was struck by a friend of mine who's a, who owns a restaurant and we were talking about this whole thing and how it's crushing restaurants. But he was just like, you know, he, his hope is this will lead to a, a much bigger conversation, which is, as he put it, maybe you don't have to go hundreds of thousands to millions in debt to start a restaurant in the future. Yeah. Maybe, just throw that out there, you know? Yeah. Like, wow, yeah. you know? Yeah, and we're, we're going to see a huge huge change in not only the way there's uh, trust, but the way that operators sell their product. You know, if you want to create fair wages, if you want to create safety, you know, there's going to be this middle time, even when we start to get the vaccine, where some people have gotten the vaccine and some people haven't. And there's a whole middle ground of, of thinking about that has to go on about how you take care of your staff, as well as the people who come into a restaurant. And mm -hmm. all of that is going to hopefully lead to equity, to everybody being on an even playing field, instead of it taking millions and millions of dollars. You talk yeah. about the food truck thing, like Kogi Barbecue at the sort of height of the previous recession oh, yeah. in 2009. He's an out-of-work hotel chef who had a little bit of a name, but not much, and started doing a you know, branded style of taco that became signature to him that nobody had ever done before. Mm -hmm. And it it was my reason for downloading Twitter in 2009 was to know where the truck was going to be. Like <laughs> it can be that impactful if you let it. And I think we are going to see some of that stuff come out of all this. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you, you just made me realize something that I think is also going to happen is, is part and parcel with that. You're not only going to be talking about more equity, you're going to have more transparency. That's one of the biggest things that's happening right now is that everything's getting a little more laid bare. And there's a lot of people who are kind of fearful about, you know, in, in, in my line of work, it's like, oh, God, I have to go through Twitter and see what offensive thing I've written. And I haven't done that. So maybe I'm going to get canceled. But like, I pretty much have faith in my sense of humor that my shit was never you know, too, right. too, no. too trying. I was never really trying to be edgy. Whereas, right. you know, like, and, and you have, you had a lot of people, you know, Mario Batali comes to mind that yep. kind of were, they were Icarus-like in, the, in their lifestyle where people were, were, were getting taken advantage of and things and things. And I think you're going to see not necessarily more of that coming out, but just, we're just going to see a lot more because, yeah. you know, there's a lot more sharing online and things like that. And exactly. It, we're, we're already drilling down into, this is a more specific to Los Angeles conversation, but people will know nationally, there's a restaurant called Squirrel, S-Q-I-R-L. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jessica Coslow, you know, she sort of made her early bones making jam and then had this sort of twee corner cafe that, you know, put an egg on a lot of stuff. And it was very much like the place that young hit people often felt like they wanted to eat for a certain type of Angelino. Yeah. And now there's been a huge backlash and reckoning. Mm -hmm. And it started with accusations that she was serving moldy jam to customers, which she denies. Um, you know, photo surfaced that was certainly unflattering. And now it's moved into this more nuanced discussion that I yeah. wrote about last week. That is, previous people who worked underneath her are saying that she is not ultimately a chef. She is a person who leads the restaurant, especially from a branding perspective, but doesn't actually cook in the kitchen. And so right. If she's being put up for awards as a chef but doesn't do any of the cooking, how does that affect the people who are underneath her and not making nearly yeah. as much money? It's complicated. It is. And I loved your writing on it because it, it was that thing of, you know, traditionally, if you were staffed and you brought a, a recipe there, it becomes the restaurants. Um, right. and it, but it's that thing. But, but should you or should you not give at least credit where right. you'd have, you know, uh, uh, maybe like... You could have your 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 vaunted chef at like say the French Laundry, 
you know, uh, who I'm forgetting his name, Thomas uh, Keller, Thomas Keller. Thank you. Who is, who is brilliant. And he, he's kind of churned out brilliant chefs. And I think he would be someone I would assume would be like, Oh, so-and-so gave me this, this thing is, you know, working with this person made me think this way where uh, it's been said, she's kind of not, not doing that or hasn't, you know, and you, and you wonder that what you said is, is, is she even a chef kind of thing? And I, and I will say all of the stuff at her restaurant, I love, you know, yeah, my wife, loves it. I love it. I won't stand in that line. I, I always feel, you know, I'm, I'm like past that age. I don't wait in yeah. line for bars. I don't wait in line for, you know, certainly not clubs. Um, if I'm going to see a concert and I have a ticket, sure. But like, I'm not going to wait in line for an hour for breakfast. But that said, it is good. There are a lot of people right. online have been like, oh, I always thought it was shit. It's like, no, it, you never said that. You're like, yeah. you didn't go, yeah. you know? Exactly. And there, and there is... You know, she she got a little bit of backlash in 2016 for offhandedly saying that um, she called her corner a shitty little corner, and that right. was her cheat for having you know, an inexpensive footprint or whatever. And that language can hurt, and especially you talk about going back to your Twitter mentions or stuff like that. Sort of stuff can come back to haunt totally. you. Totally. But I think a lot of the stuff that the former employees are saying now is that it's it's slightly different from Thomas Keller and that Thomas Keller, they say, had a pedigree that would allow him to step into the kitchen and ultimately execute any dish, even if he didn't come up with it. And Coslo's yeah. maybe Coslo's maybe not that way. Yes. She's maybe just the branding face, they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I should that should be said. Like Thomas Keller is like a ninja. He's like, right. you know, Calicchio or something yeah. who can just step in and just like, oh, you've just made this in you're a, you're a hell of a cook. Like you are, exactly. you have that thing. Uh, I always admire that. Those people that like, the thing that blows my mind the most about any cook or restaurateur, I think it's just consistency. You have to do the same thing every, oh, it, it like the idea on a daily basis horrifies me. <laughs> just, just as a right-brained professional fool. I yeah. mean, I just, I, I, I hate doing the same exact set again and again. It's, you know, you have to do the same joke again and again. So I guess I do a version of that. Yeah. But if someone stopped me on the street and they were like, hey, do the clown on acid joke, I'd be like, I don't know it. It's gone. It's or, gone. or if they corrected you and said, you know, you missed a sentence in the middle. And if, <laughs> if, I got, if I got the dish I thought that I knew from Squirrel and something was off, I would say, oh, what did you change about this? And it would be- yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. I admire it. I think it's fascinating. Like we'll get into calls in a sec, but like just real quick, the first time we hung out was at in and in and out. Yeah, you know, L.A. perfection right there. Incredible. You know, um, how how did you get into like food writing? I know you get this question all the time, but I don't think I've ever actually asked you what your entry was. So. So yeah, I, I moved to LA, like I was always a writerly sort of kid and I wanted to find a way to, to have a byline. And um, for me, having you know, when I break down the idea of writing, it's like, what do I really want? I want to feel like I have a voice. I want to feel like I have a perspective that people care about and listen to. And I, and I want that perspective to reach a certain amount of people. And, and truly, if I'm talking egotistically, I want people to like the stuff, right? I want to be liked, as yes. most people do. Me too. And, yeah. and my, my original introduction was I was going to move to LA and be a comedy writer. I was doing the Bright Citizens Brigade and I found a way in to write for LAist and was writing about comedy and sort of tertiarily involved. And that's how you and I first met because I was writing right. an article on you. And uh, through LAist, basically I was paid zero dollars. I had a day job. I was paying to take classes at UCB and I was writing for free. And at one of the Christmas parties, a person who was also writing for LAS was like, hey, you know, you're doing, you know, play reviews and movie reviews and talking to comics. Is this what you want to do? And I'm like, 
Yeah, sort of. But I also, you know, I've been going to all these street food places. I went to 125 street food trucks in my first year in LA because I'm, I'm type A enough that if I go to one, I want to go to two and then I want to go to a hundred. And I said, you know, I've got this kind of data set that I've been dealing with. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're making zero dollars, right? Like you should at least write about the stuff you want to be writing about. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, of course. So I pitched them some food things and they said yes. And I was able to take that byline while still having a day job and translate it into a little bit of money, KCT, LA Weekly, Serious Seats out of New York. And then eventually I could leave my job and, and go full time. But it wasn't until 2015, I wrote a book that's all about the history of street food in Los Angeles um, and why we're kind of the preeminent street food city in America, no offense to Portland. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was the real jumping off point. I took a full-time job at Eater after that and was able to tour for my book a little bit. And ever since then, it's just been full steam ahead. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it is, it's not only, you know, write what you know, but write what you know that you like. Exactly. You know. And the, tr the truth is, I, I like food. I love restaurants. I love the ecosystem of restaurants. Me um, too. I'm, I'm going to give you like a small a brief story aside that I think is sort of illuminating in this regard. In like 2016, yeah, uh, I wrote about this place called Art's Famous Chili Dog down at Florence and Normandy in South LA. Yeah. And Art's is this classic hot dog spot. This guy, Art Elkin, moved out from Chicago and he claims to have invented the chili dog. You know, one of these very sort of spurious awesome. restaurant claims. Yes. And he's, he's a white guy. And at the time, that part of, of then what was known as South Central is, you know, small orange trees in front of single story houses and people who work in the aerospace industry for Houston's or whatever and all that sort of stuff. And, and eventually it starts to change with the interconnection of the interstate highway system. You see white flight and de-urbanization and mm -hmm. the neighborhood that this chili dog stand is in starts to get left behind. You have redlining. So white people move out of the neighborhood and black people can't move into those other more affluent neighborhoods by the 70s and 80s, you're getting into the South Central that Ice Cube talks about. Sure. And in 1990, Art Elkin dies. And in 1992, the LA riots happen. And those riots obviously were sparked by the Rodney King beating. There's a famous video footage of a guy named Reginald Denny who drove an 18-wheeler that got pulled out at an intersection and beat right. on live TV and the police couldn't help him. And as the helicopter circles, if you watch the video footage now, you can see Art's famous chili dog is in the shot. It is literally at the intersection of wow. racial tension in America. In 1994, his family was like, we've got to sell. They sold it to a black guy who uh, grew overhood, married high school sweetheart, and up the last year, couple of years ran a drug rehabilitation clinic in South LA. And that is all to say that the neighborhood knows, and Arts unfortunately closed at the end of last year, but they knew for a very long time that no matter what happens in this community, they're still suffering so much, you don't mess with Arts. It's something that matters and it's been around for long enough that it's earned a certain status. And all of that has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not the chili dog is any good, you know? Uh-huh. It's everything else. That's exactly right. That's exactly yep. right. It's it. I loved how you just, I described it as a, as an ecosystem because yep. it is this, you know, uh, I'll, I'll give you like the, 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 the much, much beyond much less important <laughs> version of that, but the same, what would be, belong in the same book in, 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 a, in kind of a, the stupid part, the section. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, because I I worked in in Chicago for six years at a rock bottom brewery, which is a basically like Applebee's made their own beer, and we wore denim shirts, and uh, it's a it's a chain based out of Denver, and yeah. for some reason they hired some of the the best people I've ever known in my life, and so the food was eh, the beer was okay, 
I, you know, uh, would, would drink more mixed drinks there than anything, maybe have like one of their beer. I just didn't, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, like kind of best right. of the best in terms of microbrews. But for some reason, everyone they hired was so aces. I never got it. And I have some of the best friends I'll, I'll ever, people I consider brothers and sisters that I yeah. work with in those six stupid years in my 20s. But for I some it's just, it, it, I don't know what it was, but it was just to, to, to your point, the ecosystem that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure if I went back there, there'd be a bunch of cool people working at this kind of corny place. Yeah, and like, yeah. you know, when I was like stranded with no money in between uh, 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 moving from Chicago to LA and I took like a couple months, they hired me at the one in Portland and I awesome. worked there for a while. So it's like, I, 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 anytime I see like, there's one in the airport in Denver and I'm like, Hey, like I never go in, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, the simple food's like, the food's yeah. like whatever, it's fine. It's okay. But you yeah. know, but that's yep. so, it's so true. There's just yeah. some, it's just, and that would not happen if it wasn't a restaurant. Just exactly. Would, yeah. And, yeah. and restaurants, restaurants matter to the communities. They matter to people that are saving up money to go eat at them. When I was in high school in upstate New York, a town of 400 people, one big town over, they put in a Red Lobster when I was like 16. Sure. And my dad used to go once a month, white jeans, bolero tie, save up his bucks, take his God lady bless. out for dinner. Same section, same server every single time. They would call to make sure. And eventually yes. that server left and my dad stopped going to Red Lobster because it was never the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. It was everything else that he uh -huh. got out of that experience, you know? Yeah. And those biscuits are awesome. And then the biscuits are great. And it They're works so good. too. <laughs> They're so good. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Well, this is, this is great. I, it's I, one thing I love about this is I, I, I really get into my relationship with people. I already have relationships with on this show. And I feel like we've done that. It's so this yeah, is, I love I'm, it. I'm fucking jazz. All right. So um, hopefully the first call isn't some psycho talking about his butthole, but we'll see. So uh, Renee, roll the first call. Hi, Matt. My name's Nikki and um, I need some advice. I've been in a relationship for 16 years and things started going downhill like three or four years ago. I started realizing things that mattered, like marriage and children, were just never going to happen. Um, I moved out a couple of months ago, hoping that space would, I guess, clear my head and, and maybe make me realize that I did want the relationship. But the opposite happened, and I found that I have never been happier being away from him. I need to break up with him, but I really just, I don't know how. Um, I don't know, how do you, how do you say goodbye to what used to be the most important person in your life. I feel like I'm asking for a divorce and we were never even married. Mm. Um, any words of wisdom you have would really help. Thanks, Matt, bye. I, I, I think you're putting too much emphasis on the length of time uh, because holy shit, did you give it everything you could? And so did he, uh, um, or they, or did, did, did Nikki say if it was a- We can uh, go with they. We'll go with they. Uh, and and they, they, I, they um, perhaps gave it all they could too. The, the, the indicator for me, and this is typically Farley, I will go like, hey, you have first crack, but just because I don't want to lose my train of thought, I just, because this is something I've, I've felt a lot of times in my life where, and I've said this quote before in the Jonathan Richmond song, That Summer Feeling, he says, you know, uh, do you long for her or for the way you were? Uh -huh. you, you, that is a huge part of my life as a sentimental sap as someone who has gotten too entranced with the past and hasn't remembered the hard stuff and has only remembered that the stuff that was, ah, oh, things are so better. 
I'll give you the dumbest example I can think of off the top of my head. I remember being drunk in college with a friend I grew up with, looking at old pictures, drunk on malt liquor. Yeah. The best of all intoxicants, <laughs> we can agree. The worst. And looking and literally looking at a picture of both of us in eighth grade and going, I said this. I'm gonna own this. Man, there just aren't sunsets like that anymore. <laughs> what? What the fuck? You you're 19. <laughs> what sunsets have been the same since you were 13? Yeah. And, and stop drinking St. Ives. So <laughs> you at, at your best, you have the opportunity just, to see 75% more sunsets. <laughs> yes. So and so many better ones. And like it, it it's Nikki, I, I think I think obviously you're happy and that's that's all that matters because anyone who loves you is not gonna want deep in their soul and heart to be with you if you'll be happier without them. And it might take him months, maybe even years to really accept that. And this is the hard part. You just got to end it. Yeah, I, I think that, that's absolutely right. And, and I often try to think in, in hard moments of where I'm facing a dual decision is I, I ask myself what the alternative is. Because it mm -hmm. sounds like the alternative is you are in a relationship that you know and have experienced that you do not want to be in. And that is not a way to live your life. I mean, there is yeah. simply too much out there to experience in the world. You know, maybe there's a middle ground where you believe that this person could stay in your life in some regard, hopefully as a friend or someone that you could contact if you felt like down the line. But you've already done a lot of the hard emotional work just in pulling yourself away and learning. Yeah. The last part is going to be the rip of the Band-Aid, but the big meaningful stuff is done. And so you've just got to step through that door. Yeah, I often, uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 this is going to sound like a weird comparison, but I compare, kind of compare it to, uh, um, to prairie medicine. Okay. Um, like, uh, you know, a couple guys having to reset a bone and you just being like, no, but it has to happen. So yeah. it's just, it's, it, 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 it sucks. It, there's nothing else to say about it in that moment you know, uh, it sucks, but if it has to happen, it has to happen. And it's, yeah. it just sounds, there's, there's no alternative. Uh, exactly. I don't, I don't think you can go back with this person and give it another shot because you gave it all the shots, all yep. of them. And yeah. you, this person wasn't interested more importantly in what you're interested in, which is family. Yeah. So yeah. and the, the other thing I would say is it, it sounds like you, like you, went through the process of at least writing out a portion of your question before calling in. It sounds like something you had been pretty straightforward about wanting to get down on paper as a way to express yourself eloquently. If, if that's the way you're willing to be, then put all the thoughts you have down on paper. You could send in a letter or an email, or you could just call them up and say, hey, I just need you to put the phone on speaker and I'm going to talk for four minutes. But if mm -hmm. you're already out of physically out of the situation and you are capable of putting your prescient words down on paper, yeah. you can do it. It's going to be challenging, but you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're, you, you have to keep in mind, you're not just doing, you're doing right by yourself. You're doing right by them yep. without a doubt, without a doubt. For so. sure. Boy, that's a that's a rough one, Nikki. Hang in there, uh, and uh, there there will be far far better sunsets. Trust me, I've seen them. You know, as a seventeen year old, you know, <laughs> <laughs> blasted on, on old English. <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's hear the second call. Hey, Matt. 
It's Brendan in Savannah, Georgia. I've got a question because I hear you have a foodie on today. What hey. the fuck is an air fryer? Like, what is it? How does it work? Did, <laughs> did they just rename convection ovens with the word fryer and everyone's crazy about them? I haven't bought one. I have friends who swear by them. It seems like another gimmick to me. Just weigh in on whatever the hell an air fryer is, please. Uh, love the stuff. Love the new podcast. Love Hey Girl. Uh, everyone stay safe. And uh, congratulations uh, to you and your wife on your upcoming travel. All right. Talk to you later, buddy. Bye. Thanks, Brendan. Take it away, Farley. What the fuck is an air fryer? <laughs> the, the, the pleading please at the end of the initial statement, I think, speaks volumes about where it's he might so be good. in his state of the pandemic. Um, yeah, he's absolutely right. It's essentially a, a slightly different version of a convection oven. Um, I believe, I don't own an air fryer. I don't do a ton of home cooking. Uh, I believe there is like a capsule within the actual box that does circulate some oil. So it's like a fraction of the oil you'd use if you were frying, but it's more than just convected heat. There is some oil that goes into it. But other than that, I think it's the exact same shit you're used to. Um, and that being said, you know, it's got its use if you are a person who feels like you need to rely on fried food in your home and you don't want to stink up the place. I've never been a person that was like, man, I just got to put together 30 chicken tenders in my house tonight. Like, just go to Zaxby's. Like, there's things you can do <laughs> instead of making your neighbors hate you. Mm -hmm. So the idea, if you really are that person to get an air fryer and leave it on your counter go for it i don't really give a shit but it, to me it, it's absolutely just another gimmick and not one i need let me ask you uh, and as you answer this question bronger are there tools in your kitchen that mm. you uh realize are gimmicky but also are like i sort of love and can't live without yeah when uh, beginning of the quarantine uh kara bought this uh this waffle maker that looks like it was made by tony stark yeah and great it's not it wasn't too expensive but it was just just this thing that that churns out these belgian quality waffles that we'll like have on the weekends that I'm just like, fucking yes. And we experiment with putting different stuff in them. But like, I've, I've mentioned the air fryer before, but we have like a deep fat fryer we never use. We yeah. used them for a party to make uh, uh pock pock wings from Portland, Great. you know, and they were awesome, but they're, they're, they're like half sugar, half fat. You know, they're, yeah. they're like the worst thing for you, but they're just amazing. But it, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't, I know air fryers are, are, are uh, a more healthy way to make quote unquote fried food, but yeah, it's like, if I want, I, I, I live a, a mile away from Dinah's, you know, right. I can get, and I, 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 and I've also felt like I've never made fried chicken because it would break my heart if it was bad. I yes. just be so sad. And there and are it people, will be. It, it will, will be bad. You're, you're right. I should take the if right out. Yeah. Right out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't have, uh, I don't have much sympathy, I guess, for the folks who are like, I'm deep frying four to six nights a week. So I've got to make it a little healthier or I've got to stop stinking <laughs> up my house. It's like, man, oh man, you, you know, if you are hovering over the purchase button for an air fryer, Think about what you're already doing in your life to lead you yes, to that path. Exactly. Maybe you should make some changes because it's like yeah. it's 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 like uh, what what was that? Um, someone had it. Maybe it was on Shark Tank or something. But it was like a thing that like it makes mixed drinks for you. Like right. How? 
I mean, I'll, I make my thing in quarantine has been, I'll make maybe one or two cocktails a week. And other than that, I'll have wine or beer, you know, yeah. I'll love yeah. making like a perfect Manhattan or like a, a Spanish style gin and tonic, just amazing. But like, I don't really, you know, I, I did get into it when we first started like zooming with friends we hadn't seen in a while and I was drinking too much. Like Kara yeah. definitely like told the story has told this many times to friends about when our friends, Aaron and Jeff in Denver, we were like, saw them and like me and Jeff are like, you know, we're like bud buds and like, we just, we, they've been longer friends than Jeff and I, but Jeff and I, we, we become like 12 year old boys together. And so yeah. we're just doing shots of bourbon. And like, I, when the call is over, I'm like glassy eyed. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what am I doing? And it hit me just cause it was like, I hadn't seen, or I hadn't drank with anyone in so long. Yeah. I just like, just pounded so but that all aside typically i don't i'll, I'll drink mixed drinks in a restaurant or a bar you right. know <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it's either it either takes over your life or it sits in the corner and you never use it to me it's the same way i feel about buying an arcade machine i yes. don't want either version nope yeah that's exactly right i don't have that that uh, amount of a self-control or devotion yeah you know so exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna t I mean I've actually mentioned it because I've seen so many people online writing about the joys of their air fryer <laughs> and I mentioned it to Kara and she's like we'll never use it no. I'm like you're right we probably won't it's you like know? that it's like the machine where you uh you put in all the ingredients for your breakfast and then you accordion it down on top of each other and it like <laughs> bakes together to make her breakfast sandwich yes it's like if I'm eating that many breakfast sandwiches no <laughs> I need more than this thing to help me it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Like, uh, I remember there was a, a, a Schwarzenegger end of days, horrible Schwarzenegger movie in the beginning. He puts, he's like a guy who's lost everything. And so he's like, you know, in the morning he like puts everything into a blender like you would if you're a weightlifter, but it's like cold pizza, a beer, whiskey, you know, an egg burp, 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 and he just takes it in his cop car or something and just drinks it. And I'm just like, <laughs> dude, even if you were suffering from clinical depression, you would never do that. You just wouldn't yep. eat. I know exactly. I'm sure when that script hit his hit, hit his desk, he was like, "Yeah, that's ah, that's what a badass would do if he was sad." Like, nope, no, he wouldn't. No, nope. I'd leave the fridge door open and I'd fold three pieces of cold pizza into my mouth at once, and that's how I would do it. Cry myself to sleep on, on the linoleum floor. Yeah, that's what I would yeah. do. Have you have you since March when restaurants closed? Have you uh, eaten a cold item straight from the fridge directly over a trash can? Yes, oh, I love it. One of my yeah, favorites. Yeah. It's the uh, best. And I found that uh, maybe it's maybe it's quarantine, maybe it's having a pregnant wife, but there are those times where like I used to kind of just go like, oh, I'm just going to fill this little bowl with snacks and sneak off, yeah. you know, like I used to do when I was a kid, hide it from my parents. <laughs> now both of us are just like, I want this right now. You know, like, <laughs> and we don't go crazy, yeah. but it was like, we never used to be like, I'm having an afternoon Pop-Tart. Right, ever, right. You know? <laughs> And now we do. I remember she would, she was like heating hers up and I'm like, just, just give me mine. Just, yeah, I just ate it, fine. you know? Yeah. Remove it from the sleeve. That's all I need. It's all, please. That's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder, okay, we have one more call. I wonder if we're going to do, if we're going to get uh, another food call, food call. What do you think? What's, what's the over, over, yes. under, over, under? Oh yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, I, I usually end up getting some version of the same six questions. So people asking me about an air fryer, I'm always excited for my, my suggestion is it'll be some, uh, some random food topic for sure. What, okay. What, what are the, what are the five 
off the top of your head? Uh, you know, it, it's usually like what my job actually entails. Like when okay. I'm a food critic or food writer, a lot of it is, uh, do you get like free stuff at the restaurant? They must just love you. Um, which the truth is I have a dining budget. My job is to eat out. If, if I'm in the business of building relationships, it is not good for me to walk into a restaurant and people go, eh, there goes 200 bucks because this guy's going to eat it right. out of house and home. Yeah. Um, people recently have started being like, how are you not 300 pounds? And I have to be like, I was less than a year ago. Uh, <laughs> that's certainly a part of it. Um, mm -hmm. People ask me what my favorite restaurant is, which is, it's sort of like when people who cover sports talk about how they don't really have a favorite sports team. They just sort of follow right. the entire ecosystem of sports. That's the way I am with restaurants. There's places that I like, but I'm ultimately a person whose job is to not go to one place every single night because that would be bad for business. So it's yeah. usually those sorts of things for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, I'm not that person either. There used to be a thing we do when we when, when I first, when I moved to LA with Kyle, um, and if one of us or, or maybe like two or three other friends, if any of us would get like, oh, I just, I just booked a, I remember one, once I booked, I booked a Miller Lite ad where there, it was raining everywhere and guys were running inside going, it's raining beer because we were used to it to tasteless light beer, unlike <laughs> Miller Lite. And me and another guy, uh, this guy who now is married to Jenna Fisher, I forget his name, but uh, Lee was his first name. Good dude. We were licking the top of a car that was raining on a car yeah. and we were going beer and off of that I probably made like 20 grand which was <laughs> you know in it that this is over years but yes I was like I booked a fucking national we're going to Taylor's Steakhouse like that was our thing we go to Taylor's in uh in uh in Koreatown and just get a get a, like a, a culotte steak and um you know just just and have have a martini and go you know be eat eat like kings you know Love like that. we're we're gonna eat a stupid fancy meal at an old place. So it's like, was that my favorite restaurant? Probably not, but it was no. just, it was just such an indulgence for us. Yeah, you know, exactly. That. So that's the closest thing I've had, but I don't, I don't either. I don't have like a yeah. favorite restaurant. No, I'll say I'm now uh, of that age group where I'm good for like one Vegas trip a year with like the same grizzled 30 year old guys who now mostly have kids. Love and uh, we've cut to a couple of routines that I really enjoy. Friday night, everybody gets in, we go to Lotus of Cyan's, awesome Thai Oh place. yeah. And we have, you know, it's maybe 12 guys sometimes. And so we're all eating at the big table and we get whatever we want and we do credit card roulette. So every card in the hat and you pull them Amazing. out one by one. The last card has to pay for the whole meal. Wow. So the, and well, usually if it's like more than 10, we'll maybe split it up, but it's still, you know, a few hundred dollars. And then on Saturday night, I'll book us a really nice reservation at a hip restaurant, something new, Momofuku or whatever. Sure. And we'll just gorge ourselves on that Saturday night. And whoever had to pay on Friday night doesn't pay anything on Saturdays. Cool. We subsidize cool. their meals. So their whole impetus on Saturday night is, I want your biggest steak and your tallest glass of whiskey. Like yeah. we've, had, we've had guys be like, yeah, we just get some foie gras out for the table. Like that's a lot of what happens. Or that's dudes great. be like, I want to order two entrees, waiter, and I want to watch you throw one against the wall. Like I just <laughs> want whatever I can do to jack the price up, you know? I that's love great. It. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, my wife and I uh, have like a, have a Vegas tradition too. That is, it is the town for that, Yeah, you know, that you'll go yeah. and, exactly. and do. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay. Well, on that note, let's, let's hear the uh, third and final call. Hey there, Matt. My name is Dan. Um, I have this friend who he's very lonely from what it sounds like. And he's constantly calling and FaceTiming me, texting me. 
you know, constantly wanted me to, like, play Xbox and stuff with him, you know, all this, all this different kind of stuff, right? But he has other friends, but he always comes to me because he feels like they don't like him. But it kind of gets annoying when he does that. So I, I want to be able to tell him to reach out to other people, but I don't know how because he's, like, he's too stuck. Thank you. Wow, yeah. I'll that one to you. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll say I feel like in different phases of my life, I've had that friend that felt like he uh, maybe needed a little more attention than other friends. We always talk sort of wistfully in, in America about, oh, there's a person that I haven't seen in years and we catch up and it's just like no time has passed. And, yeah. and then there's other folks that maybe need a little bit more caressing. Um, usually in my experience, those people maybe have something going on, you know, maybe the pandemic is affecting them worse than, than they want to let on because they want to seem like, oh, I'm still the cool guy, but they're kind of failing at it by how much they're reaching out. Or maybe they, yeah. it's a family issue, a health issue. You know, it depends on your level of friendship with this person. But I would say if you feel like you want to stick around with this person or, or at least have the bandwidth to reach out, do so and maybe make it a more honest conversation that you could then broach and go into hey, I've got a lot of my own stuff going on, so let's find a way to coordinate times that don't make me feel so pressured to respond all the time. Yeah. I think you nailed it. Uh, I, I I was also thinking, yeah, like it's kind of like with, with, the, with the first call with Nikki, uh, it's, it's just this moment of harsh truth where yeah. you have to just kind of talk to this person to go, hey man, I'll be honest. Like, I feel like you call me a lot and, and I appreciate that. You're my friend, but you know, you should reach out to those guys and 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 get them to talk to you about why yeah. they don't necessarily want to, you know, because if he 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 said the guy seemed to have made it clear to him that the right. that he's like those other guys don't want to talk to me. And it's kind of like, okay, well, right, well, where where are you yeah. going from there? And if you're not hearing from those other guys, if you're just hearing it from his perspective, I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe he's just using that to try to lean into your friendship because he wants to make you feel obligated to stick around with him. I, I don't really know. Right. I would say this, the safest first path is get those guys that you have in common together for one night of a Zoom hangout or whatever you feel comfortable and safe enough to do. Mm -hmm. So that way you can see the interaction with everybody all together and you can kind of you know, let that dude who's a little bit lonely have his moment with all those other people and it's structured. So you're not feeling like it's happening in some other random yeah. inopportune time. Yeah. And I think also the, 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 uh, Dave is probably being very nice. Yes. Uh, this guy might be really fucking annoying. Um, and it's like, it, that's, and I'd say that having been an annoying person and I sometimes still are, but it, it, it still am, but it's, it's, it's just, it, it's one of those things that, um it's hard to tell someone that are being insufferable yeah and you need to do some time off from it and not that you should say that don't use those words that word but you know yeah don't play this that. part of the podcast out loud in front no. of them. <laughs> don't say hey dude listen and play this yeah part. yeah don't do that but you you gotta make space for yourself because you're it seems like you're you're the one door that's still open and you're you're feeling guilty about closing it but you might need to close it a little bit and tell him to kind of look at, I, I, I've talked about this guy before, but I remember I was, I was in a, uh, a ride share and there was a guy and he just started, uh, talking to me about how his girl, his whole family hated his girlfriend. And this was, this guy was like, I would say late fifties, early sixties. And they'd been together a long time. And he said, 
and he said, I was like, why don't they like her? And he's like, well, she's really mean to me all the time. And I'm like, well, then uh, maybe you guys should break up. And he goes, he goes, well, then I'm alone. I don't want to be alone. I'm like, well, maybe you need some time alone and find someone else. He's like, he's like, yeah, but I'm afraid to do that. I'm like, okay, well then why don't you guys go to couples counseling? And he's like, I, I, she won't do it. I've never, I couldn't even ask her. I'm like, okay. And I kept, he kept throwing the same shit at me, wanting a different result Mm -hmm. to the point. I'm not kidding where no matter what he said, I would go couples counseling. (laughs) <laughs> right but couples counseling uh-huh but couples count because i was so fed up i was so tired yeah. of him droning on and on where it, it it wasn't just her it was it was him you yeah. know like it was and so i think i think not that you got to be harsh with your friend like that but you have to reserve your own space <laughs> yeah. and sometimes you've got to advocate for yourself even when it's challenging you know i uh I drive around the city a lot and I sometimes think about like when I'm politely merging in and then I see the guy cut in right at the very end and get, you know, four cars ahead of me in traffic. Then I'm like, you know, statistically speaking, me and that guy are going to die at roughly the same time. And I'm going to be on my deathbed being like, I spent years in traffic and that guy's going to be like, I got to where I was going. Like he's, <laughs> he's right. You got to advocate for yourself every once in a while. You do. I, yeah, my, my wife is much more aggressive driver than me, but it's like, as much as I'm like, hey, that wasn't cool of you. I'm like, we got there faster. <laughs> she's not a dick, but there are those times where she's like, I don't have any other choice right now. I got to cut this yeah. guy off. You know, exactly. we miss, we're going to miss the exit. It's going to be an extra half hour. I'm sorry. You know, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Exactly. Well, anything, anything to promote? Uh, like I said, I do. If, if folks out there don't look at eater.com, they're in all the major cities. And even when I go to small towns, when I'm on the road, uh, hopefully that happens again in the new year, <laughs> knock on wood. Um, I do look up, I'll just put in eater, whatever, whatever city, and it, there will be something, you know, from, yeah. at some point. You guys really cover a lot of ground. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, you can find my writing at la.eater.com. I've got a book that's called Los Angeles Street Food, a history from Tomaleros to taco trucks. And I am over, over, under everywhere online. Well, it was great having you, man. Thanks, buddy. I love that this, this, uh, this doing this podcast with friends lets me have like a longer conversation than I would have, you know, because yeah. it's just, we just don't have that opportunity anymore unless exactly you know, take like a, a distance hike. You and I are going to get a, a, a distance coffee at some sometime in the near future, which is cool, but yeah. this was rad. This is great. Beautiful. So, I appreciate it, brother. And thanks. It's yeah. always nice to talk to you. Yeah. You too, buddy. Thanks again. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. This might help. If you've got a problem or you want to say anything to me, it doesn't really matter. It's anonymous. Just uh, call 323-763-0228. Again, that's 323-763-0228. You know, give us a nice review, subscribe if you like it, and uh, tell your friends. Thanks again. This Might Help with Matt Bronger was created and hosted by me, Matt Bronger. Produced by Outer Circle Media. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcasts.